Welcome to CPO Open Mic, the podcast series that brings you experts in procurement. Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa sits down with leaders all over the industry to chat about their areas of expertise, passions, and a lot more. Tune in to every episode each month by following Mike on LinkedIn and at Beeline BMS on Twitter. Hello, everyone. Mike Schiappa here, Chief Procurement Officer at Beeline. On today's episode, I'm really excited to be joined by Gary Levitin, CPO at WeWork. Gary is a veteran procurement leader with a deep passion for corporate social responsibility and sustainability. He's currently leading all procurement and supply chain efforts for WeWork with comprehensive responsibility for owning and managing spend across all direct and indirect categories globally. Gary has over 15 years of experience efficiently and effectively enabling spend owners, business units, functional partners to maximize the value they receive from suppliers to meet and exceed their objectives. And Gary has been recognized as a respected leader and mentor of cross-functional teams of senior sourcing and procurement professionals at global firms such as J.P. Morgan Chase, the Hudson's Bay Company, and Saks Fifth Avenue. So, Gary, welcome to the podcast. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Great to be here, Mike. A little odd hearing about yourself like that, but thank <laughs> you for the introduction. It's a, it's impressive. So, how how are things going? How's your team doing? We're still in the COVID era. Everybody doing okay? Yeah, everybody's doing great. Everybody's healthy. WeWork has done a, a great job wading through all the uncertainty over the last, seems like forever, but a few short years. And yeah, everybody's doing quite well. That's great. And now, how are you guys doing with in the office, hybrid? How's that working out? Yeah, we, there have been WeWork employees in the office throughout, especially the virtually heroic work that our community associates have done. A lot of our sites really never closed completely. Corporate personnel have been back for a while as well. We're, we are on a hybrid schedule. Everybody's responding very well to it. But to be honest, me personally, anecdotally, I can't wait to have a, more certainty and, and just spend more time around people and, and collaborate, work together and just see friendly faces. Yeah, I think we're all wanting that very yeah. much. At Beeline, we're actually getting together in a couple of weeks to meet up with a bunch of folks on the, the sales side, some of the operational teams as well down in Florida, all COVID safety protocols and all that kind of stuff. But it's going to be nice to, to get together. It's been quite some time. Lots of people trying to get back at it. That's um, the hope for us. Yeah, yeah. So this year, 2022, wow, it's amazing. What are some big things that you got going on that you're you're thinking about trying to trying to achieve this year in your position? Well, there's really two major all-encompassing goals that kind of dwarf everything else that I'm trying to do and the organization is trying to do. We're um, working very hard to become profitable. We just went public last year and now the next step is to become a profitable company and this return to office is going to be absolutely critical for us. As you could read everywhere, the hybrid model, the flexibility that we offer is really, we're in a very good place, in my opinion, to take advantage of the changing landscape of commercial real estate. 
So that's really the big piece. And obviously sourcing procurement and to magnitude supply chain participates or, or enables or helps profitability in various ways. And separately, just the supply chain piece of it, as probably every single person that could listen in on this conversation knows, global supply chain is a bit of a mess. Um, not sure how it's going to metamorphosize over the next few months or few years. Not sure when supply and demand will even out a little bit more when shipping lanes, deliveries, the need for raw materials evens out. So we're trying to really navigate that and prepare for growth, prepare for reopening. And we have to supply our offices with a lot of different products and materials. And it's an interesting puzzle mm-hmm. to crack right now. And that's really my primary focus. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and yeah, a topic that keeps coming up when I talk to other CPOs as well is inflation, which is yeah, mm-hmm. obviously yeah, it's the highest it's been in what over three decades, I think almost 7%, six point something. And how does that impact some of the contracts and pricing that you have coming up or has already impacted some of your areas? Yeah, it impacts it every day. You know, a bubble like this can't sustain itself forever as the previous events that you mentioned, there's always a retraction after that. And you try not to pass that along to your customers, right? You try to, especially a newly public company that's trying to grow and be profitable. It's difficult to start passing all of those costs onto your customers. So you have to find creative ways to keep your own costs down. And it's certainly different than the previous mass inflation event from my recollection in that the there's a lot less notice. There's a lot less planning that's available to you. Oftentimes your supplier says effective immediately. I don't think I've actually seen as many, seen the term effective immediately as <laughs> many times as I have over the last six months in my entire career. Yeah, it's wild. A lot of factors. So let's dig into kind of your experience on the, the stakeholder management front. I think it's a really interesting kind of topic. You've been with some big global firms, like I mentioned before, and obviously at WeWork. And talk to me a little bit about your strategy or approach and potentially some of the roadblocks around stakeholder management. I'll talk about my strategy. My strategy's evolved a lot over the years and the different level of stakeholders as you progress through your career that you deal with require a different approach, systematically a completely different approach at times. And that'll also touch on, you know, some of the difficulties, quite frankly. My approach right now, oversimplified, is to really first understand what the company's needs are as a whole, the enterprise. And what I mean by that is, like I mentioned, right now, our primary goal is to become profitable. And above all else, that's going to drive decisions and that's going to drive success for each individual stakeholder, cost center owner within the org, that that quest for profitability. So knowing that, then you have to really understand what the requirements are for each business owner, ostensibly, inside the company. How does each cost center participate in that quest for profitability, whether it's increased revenue, whether it's lower costs, whether it's running more lean or adding talent in certain situations, whether it's investment in tools that streamline processes or reduce redundancies. So it it trickles down. You understand what the company's primary priority is 
for that fiscal year and beyond. Then you have to really focus on how your stakeholders fit into that and then really work on influencing them based on success for them. I know that's a business cliche, you know, like the, the old, what does success look like for you or what is good look like for you? You really have to, to really influence a decision maker. You have to figure that out. You have to partner with them, collaborate with them to really understand what they need, what they want, what's going to make them happy at the end of the year, what's going to give them and their team bonuses, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to not only steer the conversation into how you can help that specific thing, but you really have to, to be flexible and mold your own organization and your own uh, deliverables and how your team operates. And one of my favorite things to do is like really align the goals of the individuals in your team to support the goals of your stakeholders that support the goals of the organization. So it sounds simple. I think it sounds a little bit cliched, but I think as procurement and supply chain and sourcing professionals, we know what value is, right? We know we have a process. We know how to lower prices. We know, like we know how to lower expense, but we really have to position our delivery to, to, to really better suit each individual stakeholders. Not everybody needs to, or wants to lower expense. Revenue generation is a perfect example. So it's really understanding what those needs are. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Gary. Talk about company needs, flexibility, understanding the business owners. I think that's a crucial point because I think some procurement folks go in there with the mindset of, I already know what they want. Like I know how to, I know how to drive value in this particular case versus going in there and just opening up your ears and listening and just, again, I'm oversimplifying too, but really just understanding what their needs are, what their approach is, understanding their business, learn as much as you possibly can from the ground up, the process, the procedures, all of that kind of stuff is really important because it does help you drive more value to the discussion and the actions that you need to take. So I really like that. I love the fact that you bring up, how do you make them successful? There's that fine line though, too. So I I guess I could challenge you a little bit on that is you want to make them successful, but you want to do it with the right guardrails wrapped around it. So you don't want to let them go off and do their own thing. And I'm sure you've seen that. I'm sure you've seen that where you said, Hey, you got a good relationship with a stakeholder and then they want to go off and do their own thing, but you got to pump the brakes on them. Is that, does that happen at all? Uh, absolutely. Procurement and sourcing shouldn't be one dimensional. And if you're focusing on just cost reduction or, or adding competition, you become very one-dimensional, but there are a lot of other services we could provide. And when you say stakeholders going out on their own and doing their own thing, there are other aspects to procurement, like risk avoidance that would help them do what they want. Legal is a category, for example, where you're not going to tell an attorney who to use in the middle of a massive litigation. You (laughs) might not even convince them, and you probably shouldn't to run some kind of competitive event, but there are risk guardrails that you could still provide as another service to make your organization more dynamic. So that's a perfect example. Or I like to always say, you don't want competition. I understand. Let me be the bad guy. If you want to negotiate because you're the subject matter expert, I could still provide a service to make you successful. I'm not going to tell you who to to contract with or partner with, but 
I've got other services I could provide you. And I think that's really important. It is really important. Risk comes up a lot during my discussions. I think we've spoken about it before in the past too. And it's a huge factor on a daily basis, uh, especially nowadays. I think the flexibility piece, I keep going back to that in my mind, having the right policies and procedures in place. That's actually something I'd be interested in. So do you guys have good, solid policies and procedures in place now for the, the entire organization? We're working on it. We've never really had a formal policy process where, you know, meaning uh, policy was introduced, refined, implemented, change management, controls put in place. Like we're implementing that now Mm. overall comprehensively. And I actually, I was the first one to issue a formal procurement policy that not only talks about risk mitigation and how to contract based on risk and spend, but it also puts in some controls and some processes on how to not just be a roadblock, right? Like how to actually facilitate these decisions within policy and make it as easy as possible to do the right thing. Yeah. So we're working on it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's not an easy thing to do. You can have all the policies and procedures in place, but you know, how do you act on them? How do you message them? How do you communicate them across the organization, get people trained and make it easy for them to understand? That's what it comes down to. It's no easy thing. And this is my opinion. The speed of growth is directly proportionate to the level of risk that you incur. Yeah. Right. So the faster you grow, the more risk you're taking on. And in that kind of environment, it's public knowledge. We grew very quickly. We took on a lot of risk. So Mm -hmm. slowing that down to an extent, not the growth, but just really putting guardrails around that. It's like learning how to ride a bike for the first time for a lot of our decision makers. And it's difficult. And it also quite an opportunity, quite frankly, for me to be able to be there at the ground level doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge. So we talked about the approach and and the what I'd like to talk a little bit about how do you do this? Do you, with your organization? So the people that you have in your organization, the types of skill sets that they need, or you would like them to have to push that agenda and push that execution across the board. So I'd just like to learn a little bit more about your organization and your thought process around, do you have category management folks? Do you have sourcing? Do you have generalists? How do you uh, structure that? So I have a vision, like I have an end vision of where I would want my organization to go. It's a multi-year plan. You can't do everything right away. And I'm really building out the systems and processes and goals and deliverables to eventually create a need for that kind of organization, quite frankly. I'll give away a little bit of a trade secret here, quote unquote, that a lot of my stakeholders probably don't know, but if they listen, they'll be like, oh yeah, that is what's happening right now. And I'm talking about policy. You start with policy, in my opinion, that really has the big picture framework of eventually where you want to get to. So if you want to you know, completely control spend over a certain threshold of either risk or spend, you you create policy around that. That doesn't stop it in its first iteration. It doesn't even necessarily control it. It, it just gets it out there. It gives transparency to where you eventually want to go. And you start really with a light touch. You start recommending certain processes for certain kinds of spend, 
you start requiring a little bit of rigor. You don't want to engage procurement. You don't want to go through our whole competitive process. That's fine. Get three bids. Let us review it. We'll turn it around in 24 hours and you're good to go. So you start with that light touch. And as you build out, you gain confidence with your stakeholders. You start providing value. You get approval to grow your headcount to be able to support basically a, a stronger touch is you start amending that policy to make it a little stricter. And you have to always find that, that happy zone where it's not too oppressive, where people just try to find ways to circumvent. Like any other policy, this isn't just procurement related. So I'm really trying to build an organization, number one, to service that. But also, I'm still learning about how our cost centers interact with each other, how decisions are made, and how we deliver products and services to our customers. My organizational vision has evolved a few times as I learn more about all that. Right now, I'm generally a firm believer in category management, like holistic category management, where you have somebody who owns either a cost center or a spend category, depending on complexity, number of volume, number of transactions, really based on data and that own the entire ecosystem or the entire process of category management, just sourcing, spend analysis and procurement. The transactional pieces really are on our direct side, which is the supply chain side. That's more about moving different materials and, and equipment and products to our various locations throughout the planet, directly from the manufacturer, either to an assembly facility or quite frankly, just in time to the end source. So that's really the transactional side, which is completely separate than that. The third pillar, which I think is really important in any procurement organization is procurement operations, for lack of a better term, or procurement shared services. And this is really, this is the policy and process ownership aspect of what you do. So it's creating the systems, creating the rigor required, monitoring, reporting, and really preparing everybody to be successful and support our stakeholders. Uh, so those are right now the, the three pillars that I'm working on. Wow. That's pretty impressive, man. That's, it's a lot of work. You're building that organization. You're building the kind of the value proposition. You're building the guardrails. You're doing all of that. That's pretty cool. Sounds like there's going to be some good job openings in the next year or so for some people out there. Yeah. Oh, I, I, absolutely. <laughs> and hopefully enough people are listening that uh, will look for those openings and apply because that's not an easy part of what we do these days is yeah. finding that talent. Yeah, that is a tough one. You talked about the direct side. I don't talk about direct much at all, but you said direct and the transactional side. Is a lot of that automated? Is there a lot of just technology around that making the buys for you? How, how does that work? Not for us. Our direct side isn't direct in the classical sense, right? Our product is space, right? So if we're going to be completely literal, the space is our direct product, but that space typically comes ready to go. So it's computers, infrastructure, Wi-Fi, furniture, fixtures, it just comes ready to go. So all, all those products and materials inside that space is what I'm categorizing as direct. Got it. Again, those are typically, a lot of those things are considered indirect by most companies, unless you're a furniture manufacturer, for example. But for us, it's direct. And the reason I did that is I just, how we procure that is just then 
everything we do indirect. So I just wanted a, a, a different kind of professional, a different kind of structure and just different policies and rigor. So I separated the two that way. Got it. No, that, that makes sense. That makes good sense. So when you talk about all of those pillars and what you're trying to try to build and learn over the course of the next several months or your multi-year plan, what do you think, I guess the old question, like what keeps you up at night? What worries you the most? Or what do you think is going to be the most challenging out of building that organization and that multi-year plan? Are there any specific area that concerns you that you'd like to share? The supply chain concerns me just in general, you know, and what I mean by that is really getting a, a predictable plan and a forecastable multi-year plan worries me because, you know, if you can't have that, it's going to be difficult for me to continue to grow the organization if costs and lead times get out of control. So that definitely worries me, but also just talent. It, it, it's so incredibly competitive out there. And I, I don't think that it's completely or exclusively having to do with the quote unquote great resignation or, or what's happening during COVID or people working from home more. I don't think it's just that. I just think it's it's how connected in real time we all are between social media and professional networks that it, it's so easy to gauge either your worth or gauge what you could be worth to certain sectors, which back in our day, when we were working our way up through the corporate world, it was much more difficult to do that. It, impossible, quite frankly, especially when you were younger and you hadn't been on the other side of the negotiating table with talent. So it's not just a money thing though, but the money thing is difficult. Like different industries have different pay scales and now we're all competing against each other. There's no more tech competing against tech. There's no more real estate competing against real estate. There's now retail competing against Google, which is, it's just, it's different. It's a different stratosphere of not only of benefits and what you can afford and it's different margins that you're dealing with, but also the people who they're recruiting is changing and vice versa. So just locating that talent, being more flexible about where it's located is key, but that also complicates it as well. So it, it, that, that concerns me. It's uh, the human element is an interesting nut to crack right now and to figure out how to really get the best talent. In here. Yeah, that's common discussion for me every day, Gary, talent and where are they finding, where's everybody finding talent? You hit the nail on the head, man. It's we're so connected across the globe. There's just, there's more information than there ever has been. There's there's more recruiters. There's more people looking for jobs. There's more job openings. I mean, the, the stratosphere, I think you said it's just so hot right now. And I really don't see it slowing down, at least throughout the remainder of this year, for this entire year, at least, you know, minimum. I, I, matter of fact, I think it's going to get even hotter. I think it's going to be tough. I, I don't want to scare you, but it's going to be even harder to find people. And I think when you start thinking about that, and not that you need my advice, but when you're thinking of the human part of your building the organization and the technology piece of your organization, are there areas where you can offset the need for humans being part of that equation and part of that process? And I think far too often when folks are looking at the technology side, they just say, oh, well, it's going to cost me a couple hundred grand or whatever it is for this technology. And then the people are going to continue to do the same thing. 
that's not true. It's can you find technology to replace some of those skills? And especially in your area now where you're building, are there areas where I don't need a person? I can automate that with technology. Those are things that need to be considered as you're walking through that. And then obviously the scalability piece of that, as you continue to get bigger and you want to be more nimble and fast, and you talked about being flexible and all that kind of stuff. So it's like that balance of what's the right technology stack that I should have? How many folks should I have? You got, you have, you have a lot of work to do there. <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah. it's, a no, big, that, it's a big nut to crack. It, it absolutely is. And the technology offset as an oversimplification of what you just said is critical to this. My concern there is you still, if you're going to start leveraging technology more in what we do and you start automating more, and it's not always about automation either. It's just about making things easier to digest and view and make decisions. Then you need uh, a, a different type of talent and a different yeah. type of professional. And it removes some of the classical procurement supply chain and sourcing needs or talents within a professional. So that would also, depending on how far down the tech or digitalization you go down, you're still going to need that kind of a different kind of talent potentially. So it's complicated. It is complicated. And you need the more technology you put in place and the, the larger you get and the more flexible you want to be and have that stakeholder management and all the things that we just talked about, those people are, are hard to find and yeah. they're critically important to, to your organization. And just sticking on the talent piece, and I've been saying this for, for a long time, not only is it hard to find talent, but retaining the talent is extremely important and having a, a retention strategy and being focused and having rigor on a daily basis with that is critically important, especially now, because like we said, everybody's so well connected that you can find out your worth in 15 minutes and you could find another job in, in a couple of weeks, easy. So tough environment. The grass is always greener and that's just human psychology for all of us, you and I included. And yeah. now when you can, while you're having your morning coffee, before you even start work, find out what the 20 other jobs that fit <laughs> your description, what they pay, what the benefits are, what the reviews are like, what it's like working there, how many ping pong tables they have in their <laughs> HQ, what kind of food you can get for dinner and for lunch. It's tough. It's tough. No matter how great your company is, no matter how great your boss is, no matter how well compensated you are, our natural, what's the word I'm looking for? A curiosity is it, we're curious beings and that's tempting to everybody. Yeah, we really are. And people's needs are changing too, especially throughout yep. this COVID. People are getting, I feel like people are more connected to, to their families. They're more connected to a lot of different things. And as that continues to, to morph, it's employers need to adjust uh, big time. Yeah. 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 This has been awesome, Gary. I really enjoyed the, the discussion and you got, you got your work cut out for you for the next uh, few years, which is great. That's really exciting. And I wish you all the best and we'll stay connected. Thank you. Yeah. Always a pleasure chatting with you. And I could always use your advice here. <laughs> I value your opinion very much. So I've taken some notes and we'll certainly apply some of the things we talked about. Thank you. I appreciate that, Gary. I'm here to help. All right, great. Thank you again, Gary. And um, thank you all for listening. Be safe and have a great day. 
You've been listening to CPO Open Mic with Beeline CPO Mike Schiappa. Tune in to each episode every month by following Mike on LinkedIn and at Beeline BMS on Twitter.